Today's podcast is brought to you in part by Manning Publications. If you use the discount code YTFisher at checkout, you'll get 40% off my Docker in Motion course. It is five and a half hours long and it teaches the fundamentals of Docker. Go to howtocowell.net forward slash Docker in Motion to get my course or other video courses and books from Manning Publications. Link in the description below. Hello coders and welcome to another How to Code Well podcast. Today we're going to be talking about Laravel and why Laravel is so good. I have the pleasure of being joined by Matt Stalfer. Hi Matt, how's it going? Have you had a good week? It's, yeah, I have had a great week and it is going well. Uh, I just moved to a place where there actually is autumn and I've lived in a place where there's no <laughs> autumn for the last eight years. So the leaves are changing, so I'm in heaven. Oh, autumn is amazing. It's such a lovely time yeah. of year. All the colors yeah. change. Awesome. So whereabouts yeah. are you? So I'm in Atlanta, Georgia now. I used to live in Florida where there is no autumn. Florida, it's, there's the hot season and then there's the very short, a little bit less hot season. Right. And so Atlanta has actual seasons and I'm in, I'm in heaven. So. Is, this, is this why you're wearing a coat? <laughs> yeah. <it's, laughs> yeah. The things are a little chillier yeah, over here. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I'm still adjusting. Awesome. So let's, uh, let's talk about your background. How did you get into, how did you get into coding? Yeah. Um, so I, my brother and I would hack around on the spare computer. My dad had the bedroom. So my dad, my dad's company had some technical aspects and he needed to be able to S not even SSH in, I don't know, FTP in or whatever, um, <laughs> using these old, uh, AT&T black and green machines. He would keep it in the spare bedroom and he had a line that was dedicated to just being able to do whatever that stuff he is. Right. But when he wasn't using it for work, we got to go hack on it. And so we would go, I remember we set up our own BBS on that line, a bulletin board service, and he would set up the service and I would do all the drawings. And then we started getting to web a little bit. So this is like probably early 90s, I think. And so he learned PHP to be able to run the back end. Mm. And then I learned HTML and CSS. And then when it came out, you know, well, HTML. And then when it came out, CSS and JavaScript. Um, so that was always fun stuff for us. And I did some work in high school mm. doing, you know, hand-rolled PHP stuff, um, and I built my own um, CMS a couple years before WordPress came out called Campus Press. Um, and then WordPress came out and I tanked it because it was way better to just use WordPress. <laughs> um, so, you know, like it was a fun thing that I did in the side from from Jump. I never, never had any education in it, but I was just always doing it in the side. So so, so you're, you're totally self-taught. Yeah. Awesome. 100%. Oh, wow. I mean, I've read books and stuff, so sure. I, I, I've had help. But back then, we didn't even have books, right? You learned how to make websites by hitting view source. Right, so, but yeah. yeah. I've never gone to school for and anything. Seeing what other people have done and then sort of trying to uh, put that into your code and seeing what yeah. how that how that fits and what the errors yeah. are. Yeah, awesome. They were, those were the days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah were, they, they were some kind of days. We're dating so. ourselves now. <laughs> some kind yeah, right? of days, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh, and then trying to work out why it doesn't work on IE6, but does work on other things. Yes. Yeah. I was there for all of that. So. <laughs> <laughs> so what what was the thing that um, that that sort of motivated you to continue in programming? Yeah. So I I did programming, um, but I never was sure whether that was what I was going to do because, like I said, my brother was the programmer, and I was more like the designer. So uh -huh. I went to school um, for graphic design because I was. Between the two of us, I was the designer, and I wasn't that good of a designer. And so it was really frustrating for me. 
Um, and so I went to school for graphic design thinking, oh, they'll teach me to be a designer. Mm-hmm. And all they did was put me in a situation where technically I knew more than all the teachers because I, I knew Photoshop really well and I knew how to do HTML and CSS and JavaScript really well. Um, but they didn't teach me how to be any better of an artistic thinker. And I was right. like, well, this is terrible. <laughs> and so I, you know, I went to my other interest, which is English. And so I switched over. I studied English education and I basically just kind of said this, this isn't for me. Um, and the funny thing is I'd had multiple, you know, internships and doing web development and I was doing freelance web development on the side. But at that moment mm-hmm. where I just said, you know what, this isn't for me. I didn't think of myself as a back end programmer and the whole design thing did work out. So I said, eh, forget it. So I ended up actually doing English and working for nonprofits for years. But even the whole time I was there, I would always be the tech guy. You know, okay. we're working for this nonprofit and I'm setting up websites for everybody or we're working for this nonprofit and fundraising is really difficult and they're e- emailing spreadsheets around. And so I built an app in CakePHP <laughs> that later I rewrote in CodeIgniter to help us handle all this thing. You know, so like I was always that guy. Um, yeah. And then we moved. Um, we moved for my wife to go to school. And all of a sudden, my because of the move, my fundraising for that nonprofit dried up because it was very local. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, well, what am I going to do to help provide for the family? Well, you know, I used to code. Why don't I pick it up again? And that was where it, I went, oh, my gosh, <laughs> turns out I love this and I'm good at it. Um, but I had to change my mindset of like, I'm not a designer. I'm a, I'm a programmer and I love programming. But I had to kind of switch that up. So. Yeah, I I really yeah I, I I relate a lot to that actually the 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 switching from designer to to programmer I I thought most of my grades were were better in design. Huh. If you look at my websites, you'll be wondering why. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was it was a transition of designing software that mm-hmm. I liked. You know the mm-hmm. the actual architecture of it. Uh, yeah. So I yeah I I get what you're you're saying. It's uh, and you're playing to your strengths as well. It's like a, a, yeah. a hobby, right? So you're, yeah. you're you you have that motivation to continue on uh, learning. Yeah, and and with the playing to your strengths, when you're playing to your strengths, you get a lot more satisfaction out of what you're doing. Because mm-hmm. when I was working in the nonprofit, I did something that I was fine at. It was organizing people, sure. but I wasn't good at it. And yeah. so because I wasn't good at it. I felt incompetent. I felt like I wasn't good enough because I was always throwing myself after something that I wasn't actually very capable at and I would never see success and I felt just like I wasn't very good, right. you know? And yeah. and when going back to programming and finding my strengths, I was like, "Oh, I'm smart. I'm capable. I just had to do the thing that I'm actually good at rather than this other thing that I'm not actually very good at." So, right. Right. So after that that point when you made that decision, you know, I, I'm now wanting to do programming over design. Mm-hmm. What was the what was the next step then to 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 actually fulfilling that? Yeah. So I got hired. So I was in. We were in Chicago, and I went to a co working space and just tried to get as much freelance work as I could get. And I was still thinking of myself as a front end programmer at this point. So I learned about there's this new concept called responsive design and I became like the, you know, I knew everything. I had read everything. I wrote blog posts. I made JavaScript libraries. I was connecting with the people who had originally come up with responsive design. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is going to be my thing. I learned this new thing called SAS and I was like, SAS is better than less. And here's, and I was writing articles about it and meeting the people and making friends with people who wrote, you know, I'm like, this is my thing. I'm going to be a front end guy. Um, but even there, the difference between the front end and the back end also showed this same issue, you know, like, and I was finding that I was good. I was, I was very good at front end. Um, but 
then I got a contract working with someone um, who ended up becoming my business partner. And he's like, okay, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to hire this one company and they're going to do all the back end work. And then you're going to be the front end guy. And so I did a ton of front end work and it was good. But I found that the front end work that I loved the most was when we were getting in this deep, heavy, intense architecture and build steps and processes mm -hmm. less building out CSS classes and layouts and design, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then we had some trouble with some of the backend work and I ended up taking over a whole bunch of code igniter work. And it's just like step by step by step. I was like, wait a minute, this is what I like. This is what I good. I'm, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm really interested and I'm really good at. So it was a process of, you know, ha happenstance. It was a process mm -hmm. of, mm -hmm. Uh, noticing what I feel good at and not good at. It's just kind of that process happened and happened and happened. And so Dan and I um, worked together on that one project and quite a few other projects. And what we realized is that both of us had been full stack freelancers who had to do marketing of ourselves. We had to run our own businesses. We had to do front end, back end design, UX, UI interviews. And we were ready to kind of specialize a little bit. And so what we did was Dan started taking over the business responsibilities and I started taking over, you know, the development responsibilities. And that gave me more opportunity to really hone in. And through that process, and then when we started hiring people, I got to hone in more and more and more. So Awesome. Oh, that sounds like a really good transition. Uh, uh, sort of a transition <laughs> of in iterative, iterative steps that have got you to yeah. this point. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's all, as you mentioned, like by happenstance, like... You know, you did you did you think as these things were happening that you were letting go of the the front end stuff and gr grasping the back end stuff? Were you becoming more comfortable? Was that um, did you did you see what was going to happen whilst that was happening? Maybe while it was happening, but definitely not before it happened. Right. So I didn't I didn't make a plan, set out, and then enact the plan. <laughs> I think I might have recognized it as it was happening, but I it definitely was it was still pretty oh, oh, look at this. Yeah. Rather right. than I have a goal and I'm gonna accomplish this goal sort of situation. Sure, sure. So you mentioned you mentioned a bunch of um uh, PHP frameworks there, Code Igniter, KPHP. Mm. What 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 other things do you apart from Laravel? We'll get onto that in just a second. But what other technologies do you play with? Yeah. So today, most of my work is in um, Laravel uh, and Slim, which are PHP frameworks. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really write any uh, Symphony or Silex anymore, although I still work with Symphony components a lot. Mm -hmm. um, we actually do touch. WordPress occasionally. Uh, we actually recently built out something where um, we needed a really easy blog platform, but we didn't want it to be in WordPress in the end. So we built a WordPress login that wasn't available to the public. And then we used the REST API and the REST API was consumed by Laravel. And then Laravel actually was the one that served the, the data in the end. So I, you know, we still work with WordPress some. And then occasionally we'll still work with Statomic and Craft CMS, um, which are uh, CMSs, PHP CMSs. Mm -hmm. On the front end, um, mainly React and Vue. There's people at Titan who are doing React Native and uh, NativeScript Vue. Um, I have toyed around with both of those, but I have not done production work in either of those. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, and I'm, you know, I'm curious about things like Nux.js and a lot of the other kind of heavy, you know, cool JavaScript things, but that's not my day-to-day -day right now. Fair so. enough. Cool. And, and I, in the past, I've toyed around with, sorry to interrupt, uh, uh, in the past, I've toyed around with, um, you know, I did Rails. I was moving to become a Rails programmer at one oh, point right. before Laravel oh. came out. Um, so I have... I have basic 
knowledge of Ruby and Rails. Um, you know, and I've written some Node applications, a few of which are still in production, but those are all, I, don't, I wouldn't quite call them toy apps, but they're close to toy apps. It's like the first couple production apps you put out, and then with each of them, then I would like, I'd end up back in PHP primarily, so. Oh, okay. Um, let me pull that piece of golden nugget apart, if that's all, all right. right. Um, so, yeah, please. So, uh, you, you went Ruby and then decided to go back to PHP. What? what why? <laughs> Yeah. So at this point, um, I mean, I wish I didn't have to say this, but moving to Ruby makes a lot of sense, right? Ruby is a language that is designed for programmers. It is concise and it is, it is beautiful and it is expressive. Mm -hmm. So the, the reason to move to Ruby makes a lot of sense. Um, the thing is, uh, my knowledge, um, the, the people I have experience working with, um, the tools I'm familiar with and the tools that I know can do a really good job of solving people's needs without having to build a custom application mm-hmm. are all in the PHP world. And honestly, I still feel that way today. For a, for a programmer working with custom web applications, if you're going to write the thing from scratch no matter what, Ruby is a more enjoyable language to work with than PHP. No question. Mm-hmm. However, you don't. Ju- that's not the only factor you get to consider. <laughs> and when you consider tooling and ecosystem and infrastructure and all the other things that you can bring in, for mm. me, PHP wins. So they're, they're, that's, a, but it's a separate piece. We were moving because that didn't feel the case then. Uh, at that point, it felt like, well, yeah, we have a lot of existing tools and frameworks, but they've got Ruby gems, they've got Rails, they've got all these other things, and so it just didn't feel like it was worth it. And we built custom web applications more than we build anything else you know we don't do a lot of cms work these days it's almost all custom web apps so because of that we didn't have that we had done a lot of work with codeigniter and zen framework and a toy around with fuel and stuff like that and we were just not happy with any of them mm-hmm. and so we were moving over because web custom web apps and rails make sense um and then laravel came out <laughs> and then we saw and i remember i was at a um less which is a conference for entrepreneurs almost entirely attended by rails developers um and we were sitting around talking about being programmers and I'm saying, oh, you have dependency management, uh, you know, <laughs> oh, you've got, uh, you know, inversion of control containers and all that kind of stuff. We don't have any of that stuff. <laughs> and then right around that time, as we were taking on our first really significant large Rails project, I had done all the tutorials, I'd done a lot of play apps, but we got our first big project. I got connected to Laravel and went, oh, goodness, this is everything I've been wanting. And of course, it was Laravel and Composer, right? Like they came out around the same time. Mm-hmm. Laravel 4 was enabled by Composer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I went, wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> this is all the things I want. And so that was what that, like, and we hear that story a lot, right? Like I was moving to Rails or I was moving to Python, or whatever, and then Laravel came out and brought me back in. And it was, that's the thing. It's like, it was, it was the world I knew. It was the tooling. It was the ecosystem. It was the clients right, who have PHP infrastructure, all those things, but available now with all these modern coding practices and techniques and all that kind of stuff, so. Gotcha, gotcha. Oh, that's brilliant. Before we get into the Laravel goodness, um, yeah. let, let's talk about Titan. So you mentioned the, the things that you do. I'm, I'm assuming that means like the things that you do at Titan. Is that, is that yeah. right? So can, yeah, so, what, okay. can you explain what Titan is and, and, and how that started? Yeah, so Titan is a, a web consultancy uh, spread out across North America right now, although we're hiring right now and we've got applicants outside of North America. So our, well, I might have to re- revive how, or revise how I say that, but we're a web <laughs> consultancy that we build custom web applications mainly, um, uh, usually in PHP or and or JavaScript. Um, and we've got 21 people, I think, in North America, Mexico, and the U.S., 
Um, and yeah, we primarily work with Laravel. Um, we originally called ourselves just kind of like a solutions shop. We didn't worry about what we we're working with, but what we found was a, almost every single time we reached for Laravel and B, <laughs> we got a reputation with the Laravel community. And the two of those made it just the point where we say, yeah, we, we do Laravel, we do Vue, we do React, and then we do React Native and uh, Native Script Vue. Um, so I am one of the owners. Um, so remember I was telling earlier about Dan, this guy I met at the coworking space. Mm-hmm. So Dan and I started working together. We, we founded Titan. We had one employee and then two employees and then um, one of the employees wasn't working for the office anymore. And then I moved to Florida and we were a remote company at that point. Um, and we were, we were relatively remote at the beginning, but then we were fully remote. And so we've grown as slowly as we can over the years. Um, at one point, we bought the software as a service that I was telling you about that I built um, for, for people working at nonprofits mm-hmm. so that I could just have a single job. Um, so we have one small software as a service and then we're a consultancy other than that. So awesome. Um, I think that was most of what you asked. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So day to day for me, yeah. um, I code a little. Um, I help run a business a lot, uh, meaning we <laughs> do biz dev calls and operations and HR things and stuff like that. And then um, I'm so he's sort of over the running the business side. So we call him like CEO or uh, I think we call him managing director. And then I'm over the tech side. So like CTO and technical director. Um, and so my day to day is also what tech are we using and how have we documented these things and how do we consistently respond to that thing and who's ready for, um, you know, for being moved up to the next thing or who's struggling with what thing and who should I pair with whom else and what are we doing in our 20% days mm-hmm. to make sure we're giving out to the community well, that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. you're also a live coder. You're also a YouTuber yeah. and you're also an author and a speaker <laughs> yeah, because I'm a masochist. And <laughs> but yeah, I, I do all those things. Yeah. And, and thankfully, we have started rearranging our work at the company such that that can now be work for me instead of stuff I do on top of my job. I was and about so, to ask know, that question. It's, yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> we value those things enough. And I think we've always we've always done that for speaking. Like if I have to mm-hmm. go speak like Dan would always be like, yeah, yeah, go disappear and work on your talk. Um, for the book, it was a little bit harder because the book, so I, I published with O'Reilly and the good thing about O'Reilly is they're a traditional publisher, which means they have incredible reach. Mm. The downside about O'Reilly is they're a traditional publisher, which means they don't pay you anything (laughs) and they set the price and then Amazon discounts the price by 50%. Mm. So O'Reilly going through a traditional publisher is not a way to make money. So we Mm. knew when I decided to work with them that the goal of this book was not money, but it was exposure and exposure was for Laravel. I wanted Laravel to be known and understandable and easy by as many people as possible. And O'Reilly is the best way to, uh, a canonical book that teaches you everything you possibly need to know to do a really good job doing Laravel available in every bookstore, every, you know, every big company that has a contract with O'Reilly, every big university has a contract with O'Reilly. Now that's available to all those people. Great. That's the number one goal. And the number two goal was validation for me and Titan that, you know, like I, don't, I, I studied English in school, right? I don't have a CS degree. I'm not some big fa- fancy person to say, no, look, you know, like I've, you can't see it on the video, but right there, there's a picture of the book hanging on my wall because mm-hmm. it's sort of like my diploma, you know? Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. we said, okay, so as a result, what we said was some of my time writing the book will be on work hours and some of my time writing the book won't be on work hours. And the streams I started in my free time, but now we're starting to think of it as like a thing that like helps advance what we, the learning we want to be done in the Laravel community. And so I realized recently I was talking to Dan and I was like, I have felt really guilty about doing these things. And I know that you've told me as a 50% of the company, um, that you're okay with me doing these things, but I feel guilty doing this fun educational stuff. (laughs) And what I realized recently was I'm basically doing DevRel. I'm doing developer relations, Mm. but I'm, we're not a software company. Um, but the thing is, half of my dev rel is for Titan. I'm going out there and I'm making the change I want to see in the world and I'm, I'm making Titan's name known. 
and half of it's for Laravel. I am, I'm, I'm kind of adopting mm, like mm. unofficial community ambassador for Laravel mm. and I'm going out there telling people, Hey, Laravel's great. And so like, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm a dev relp as a part of my job for Laravel and Titan. And so then it makes more sense to be doing live streaming and podcasting and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I also just love teaching. Yeah. So, right, right. Definitely. Yeah. I, I've seen your streams. I've seen your YouTubes. They're, they're really, really good. Um, Thank you. let's, much. let's, um, let's mention the book title. Come on. Oh yeah, Laravel up and running. Laravel up and running, awesome. Yep. Um, and your YouTube channel name is uh, Matt Stauffer. So youtubecom slash Matt Stauffer. And the yep. and the live streams. Uh, so if you go to mattstauffercom slash stream, it'll have links to the Twitch, Periscope, and YouTube links for all the live streams and all the um the replays. Gotcha, gotcha. I'll put links in the show notes below uh, for all of those things. So let's move into um let's move into Laravel. Um, all right. So uh. What makes Laravel so good? Um, first of all, what is Laravel? Yeah. So Laravel is a full-stack uh, web application framework built in PHP, and um, it's integrated with Vue.js, um, but you can also work with React or jQuery or some other things. So mm -hmm. the only unbreakable aspect of it is it's an MVC framework built on top of PHP. Um, it is kind of a rapid application development framework, meaning it's made to make it as easy as possible for you to build things really quickly. But the problem is people, when they hear rapid application development framework, they hear, and then you can only do quick things. And so that <laughs> one of the unique things about Laravel is it's not just for rapid application development um, because it also has a ton of best practices built in um, from jump. You know, uh, you've, you've got, for example, all the internal classes refer to each other through interfaces that you can hot swap out to your own interface implementations. Everything is bound through an inversion control container. So at any point you can, you know, could swap in your own implementations. All the unit tests run through um, systems that allow you to mock out and stub out the things that you're testing against in the middle. Of test. So like basically if you think about like how to write PHP applications well, um, those are inherent in Laravel's, but, but they're, they're a little bit hidden up front. You don't need to know how they work in order to be benefiting from them. Mm -hmm. But the moment you realize you need them, turns out they're there in all your applications all along. So you both can learn it really easy and really quickly. You can build things really, um, rapidly and then, but also you have a really good um, application architecture there. So yeah, so it's a web application framework, full stack in PHP that is good for rapid application development and more. <laughs> so. that's an awesome strap line and yeah nice um so you, you you've mentioned uh all sorts of technologies including ruby um why did you why did you pinpoint laravel what was the thing that went actually you know what i'm gonna be a Lar laravel guy this is i'm gonna yeah. i love laravel so much i'm gonna write a book about it what, yeah. what was the thing that grabbed you yeah that's a great question i think there's at least two pieces. The first one is the community. Um, Taylor is Taylor Otwell's the guy who created Laravel, and he very, very, very intentionally recognized that the code itself is one of the smallest pieces that defines what the success of something like this looks like. Um, and one of the biggest pieces that defines it is documentation and community. You know what it looks like for somebody to enter into the space to learn, to ask questions, all that kind of stuff. And he worked really hard to create a really healthy and welcoming community. And I think that's the the number one thing is that people who start to get involved really pick up on that. And I certainly did. Mm. Um, but I do think that the second piece, the second piece is the rapid application development. Um, I 
have lots of ideas and I build lots of things and I have spent, I've been around long enough that I've wasted time on projects rebuilding the same auth components over and over. Like I did, I did CodeIgniter, for example, back in the day where there wasn't a native auth component that did everything you did. So you'd pull in this person's auth library or that person's auth library, but you'd have to make changes to it. Mm -hmm. And so then you'd copy your auth library from one project to the next and you'd make Mm -hmm. some changes to the next one that you didn't make in the first one. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was miserable. You spent all your time dealing with all these individual things or I've, you know, I've hand rolled database libraries before. Mm -hmm. Um, And with Laravel, I don't think about that stuff, right? Like it's all just in there. And Laravel also is, it works on the back of Symfony. So Laravel has Symfony's HTTP request components and all these other components built in internally. So it's not only the best wisdom of the Laravel community and Taylor, it's also a lot of the best wisdom of the Symfony community. So all of this learning, and it uses it uses PHP lead components, which are also community contributed components. So it's just all this work that I don't have to do, all this work that I can change if I want, but I'd rather not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's also... Um, configuration, wait, what's the convention over configuration? Mm -hmm. So rather than spinning up a new app and then all all of a sudden you have to spend three days setting up your settings, it has all these defaults. So basically it got to the point where I had an idea and I had a working version my friends could play with like two hours later. And that was something that was very new. It was possible in CodeIgniter, but when I did it in CodeIgniter and Fuel and a lot of those other ones, I would end up in a very, very untenable situation long-term. Like I could make things fast but the moment I wanted to make good architecture decisions or, God forbid, do unit testing, <laughs> the whole thing would fall flat in its face. And so this gave me the opportunity to both do uh, really robust, complicated and advanced um, application architecture and patterns mm. while also moving quickly at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And that and plus in, in a very healthy and welcoming community. And I, you know, and if you compare it against Rails, a lot of those things exist in Rails, right? It is convention over configuration. It is relatively easy to spin up an additional one, mm-hmm. but uh, it, there's way less tools available in the Ruby and the Rails e- ecosystems. They're much more just about web application um, development. Uh, hosting is way more difficult and uh, way more expensive, both for me as a developer and for other people. Um, and like I said, I just, I was in a space where like rails had been around for ages. There's tons of people trying to break into the rails world, not just to be like an influencer. Cause I didn't think about that originally. Um, but even just to learn or to, to get a job or something like that was very difficult. And at this, at that point, at least PHP was this very o- wide open world where there was plenty of people still learning, still encouraging each other. You know, it was, and, and honestly, to me, it still feels that way. It might not feel that way to somebody who's, you know, hasn't broken in yet, but to me, it still feels to the point where there's much more opportunity there so uh, that was a long answer yeah i would say that um so i would say there's a lot of opportunity in php but it's it's not it doesn't feel like the wild west it used to feel yeah that's okay especially with composer now there is there are things that are becoming far more structured and seem more sensible than uh, than they used to when we were dealing with things like pair packages and oh, collect packages yeah. and all that jazz. Um, yeah, which um, you know new coders won't have to deal with anymore, which is which is amazing. <laughs> yes, it's good for all of us. <laughs> it's good for all. Um, so, in the context of a new developer coming on, so someone who who has learnt PHP and is now thinking about choosing a framework to go for what is the argument for starting with laravel compared to say other frameworks so right now there's not a lot of php frameworks out there that you would actually want to make your day-to-day so i'm gonna miss one i'm sure and i'm gonna feel really bad about it later but symphony Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so Symphony is uh, Symphony and Laravel start at the same time. Symphony components exist in a lot of Laravel. There's a lot of overlap there. But Symphony as a community and as an ecosystem is much more structured around architecture and uh, enterprise things and stuff like that. And and I, I strongly believe that Laravel is great in the enterprise and you can do all the same architecture things there. But but when I talk about convention over configuration, for example, uh, classically, um, Symphony has been configuration over convention. So where you'd spin up a new Laravel app and it would tell you where everything goes, for example, it would automatically uh, intuit uh, where your classes live and just bind them immediately in the de- in the dependency container without you having to manually bind them. Mm. Symphony classically wouldn't do that. It would say, if you're going to use the thing, you should bind the thing. Now, they are making changes to that, but I think inherent in the systems of how you think about them is Symphony is much more, um, we're going to plan it, we're going to do it, we're going to structure it, we're going to think ahead of time, it's going to be enterprise ready, all that kind of stuff. So Symphony has much more of like that, I'm going to work at a big company, I'm going to really architect everything really well as, as one of its foundational mindsets. So if that makes sense to you, or if that makes sense to where you're working, you're going to love Symphony, and you're probably not going to love work with Laravel. Now, that's not to say that you can't do all those things in Laravel, but you're going to be, um, I don't even want to say you're swimming against the current there. Um, because again, I know tons of huge corporations and I work for several of them that do it that way, but it's more inherent in symphonies, everything, documentation, community, teaching from the the stage, all that kind of stuff than it is in Laravel. Um, so cake and ye, I, I'm not to say like, I don't want to disparage anybody who works in either of those. Cause mm-hmm. I'm sure there's plenty of reasons for them, but I don't know any reasons that I would say, here's the circumstance in which I would say definitely use ye or definitely use cake. Um, Zend is dead. Um, Silex is dead. Well, I think it's, it's dead, right? Yeah, That's not a judgment yeah, yeah, statement. Yeah, yeah. I thought they, they shut it down, right? <laughs> um, I'm not entirely sure. Okay. I'm not Sorry, 100, if, I'm if not 100% sure. Um, I think they shut it down as a result of the whole situation that happened with like Zen getting bought out and all that kind of stuff. And right. they were also going, the, the people who were running Zen were trying to turn it into this, um, like, uh, frameworkless thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were doing a lot of teaching saying you shouldn't use a framework. You should instead spin up your own brand new composer based app and then pull in components. Um, so for me, first of all, I totally disagree with that mindset because I think that's, that's again, that's config. Every single time you make a new app, you now have to pick which components yeah, you want. Yeah, I, think, yeah. I, I yeah, hate that yeah, idea. Yeah. And maybe it works for you, but I don't think that's no. a, especially <laughs> for somebody just beginning, like learn from the people who came before you. And that's what convention is stick. Like the, the number one advice I get give to people who are just learning and people whose code I come and review is I say, stick to the, the conventions, the defaults, mm-hmm. unless you absolutely must not. Cause some people just have this mindset that I'm just going to stray away purely to exert my own control. But mm-hmm. the more you stray away from the conventions, the more you're now taking the responsibility to know better than the, the community or know better than the people who came before you. And that's the number one source of bugs, maintenance issues, security issues, is that one individual person presumed that they knew better than the 20,000 people who came before them and, and worked on that thing and worked on that thing and pull requested that thing and modified that thing. And now now Joe comes along and says, ooh, I'm going to write my own security hasher. You know, like, mm-hmm. Joe, you're not smarter than the 20,000 people for you. But anyway, okay. So cake <laughs> and you're fine. I don't know really strong reasons to use them, but I'm sure they're there and I'm not, I don't want to disparage them at all. I think Zend is dead. Symphony, there's some good reasons that I mentioned. Um, I feel like I'm missing at least one of them. There's lo- that, well, there's, there's loads. There's loads. Uh, there, there, there are loads and loads and loads of like, like these um, uh, artisan obscure frameworks, Falcon, yeah, yeah. Uh, all of that stuff. Um, but I guess, I guess a really good point to make um, for, for the new for the junior devs for the new people coming on is is the fact that we we've both worked on many many 
frameworks. You've listed a whole bunch that you've done, or including other languages. And mm -hmm. you, I think, I think to to get to where you are with Laravel, you needed to have gone through that that process of mm -hmm. of just trying getting a taste for these things, yeah. and then you can navigate your your own waters to see what suits you. Yeah, I would say, however that I, I if if anyone were to say you got to try them all before you pick mm. that i'm wary of that idea because then people can have paralysis that they don't have the ability to cuz the the best way we learn things is by just like going full in and mm -hmm. building stuff with it mm -hmm. and building a new app with to the point where you really understand what the things like in every single framework could really be costly for somebody so i would say um That's think about true. like what do you want to do like that's always a good question. What are your goals that you want to accomplish in your programming career? And then answer what's what's best served by that. So mm. for example, um, I don't know if it still is, but Craft CMS was built on Yi for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Expression Engine was built on CodeIgniter. Um, there's quite a few countries that are very, 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 very heavy in CodeIgniter. There's quite a few countries. Like the entire country, its PHP community is very, very, very heavy in Symfony. Mm -hmm. If you live in a country where all the jobs are doing Yi, you should go learn Yi. Like no question. And that's yeah. and, and you're not going to have a bad time programming because you chose Yi instead of Laravel. However, if there are zero extenuating circumstances that suggest you should use anything, and you're literally just picking out of your brain, I would recommend Laravel because just like WordPress, it is so easy to begin. Mm, and yeah. I think that if you want to learn a CMS and you don't know anything whatsoever, I always turn people on WordPress. And someone might say, you know, and I don't, I don't know, you know, what kind of background all your listeners have, but there is at least in, in among the, you know, the elite PHP programmers, people look down their noses at WordPress because it's very old fashioned code and it's definitely not using like the most modern thinking in PHP. And th that's very true. However, it is also an extremely powerful tool. It's very robust. It has a really great community and you can use it securely. You just have to know what you're doing. But the thing is you can learn it so quickly. Mm -hmm. And so what I, when I, when someone's try, saying, I want to, I want to make money as a PHP programmer as fast as possible in the U S I say, go learn WordPress because mm -hmm. everybody needs a WordPress developer. Now yeah. I'm not saying you should stay in WordPress forever if you want more, but start there. And, and the mm -hmm. same thing is true for Laravel where I'm saying like, you can be up and building functional applications in Laravel in days. Mm -hmm. like, And that's just not true in the other spaces. And so if there are no other extenuous circumstances, which for most people there are some, I would say it's the fastest way to do real work. And if you're in, gotcha. in programming because you want to do stuff, Laravel gets you ready to do stuff really quickly. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, I, I get that. Um, yeah, I, I disagree with the whole WordPress snobbery. It's... Uh... You know, it, WordPress has its place, and yes, there yeah. are a lot of issues. But as you quite rightly mentioned, uh, one should be aware of those and know how to get around them, because yep. every piece of software we write will have security issues. Yep. So it doesn't matter what you use. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. One of the guys at Titan, um, so we do lunch and learns once a month where somebody will sit down and teach everybody about something for 30 mm -hmm. to 60 minutes. And one of the guys, uh, Jake Bathman just gave a talk about, uh, security and I wish I could quote him cause it was fantastic. But basically one of the things he said is, um, he was talking about what things can you do to keep your users data and your applications safe and private. And so of course, one of the first things he said was take as little data as you can possibly get away with the, the less data you have, the less data can be stolen, which I love. But one of the other things he basically ended up saying was, um, 
the 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 person who's most likely to hack you is going to define your ability to be unhacked. It's not as if like you're going to do enough architecture that your app is never going to get hacked. Like if you have a nation state that decides to set themselves after your application, they're getting your data. Period. Yeah. But thankfully, most of us aren't building apps that have nation states coming after us and trying to hack us. Right. But it's not a matter of like, oh well, the people who have you know who are in the in the crosshairs of nation states suddenly somehow have like way better programmers and they're they have no bugs in their systems. No. Yeah. You know, like we there are levels of security, but there's also just levels of we get by because people with sufficient resources to break through our always insecure applications just don't target us, thank God. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I was speaking to people the other day about um how they went through the decision process of building an application and the application was it was a political application, so it was based on a political party or a political movement, I should say. And one of the concerns was security in the sense that it would be taken down uh, via a DDoS or whatever. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, what they chose to do is build a static site because then they could just put it anywhere they want. And it wouldn't yeah. be a case of their their um, attack surface was far smaller. It was static. Yeah. So they could just yeah. upload it to any box. That obviously changed the technology that was behind it, but it's those yeah. sort of um, those decisions, those those requirements. They can really have an impact as to the tools that that one uses. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so what what are the what are the typical things that you've built at Titan then for yeah. uh, for Laravel? So we have. Uh, probably three or four primary types of client that come to us. Um, one of them is a startup or someone who has a new idea and we build what's called greenfield, meaning we, we hit Laravel new at the beginning of the project <laughs> and nothing exists prior. Uh, we're building custom web applications there. We're building APIs and management tools for mobile apps. Um, sometimes we're building hybrid n- mobile apps um, and sometimes really, really custom um, integration pipelines and CMSs that nothing out off the shelf will work for. Um, lots of management tools for internal processes, uh, you know, whether it's a, a, the internal process is a warehouse or a workflow or whatever, um, that kind of stuff. Um, when we're working with, um, so another group we work with is a lot of big, uh, nonprofits and, uh, enterprises that have PHP in their blood for some reason. Mm -hmm. Um, and we are either building new apps within a much bigger ecosystem and we have to talk with the older legacy things or we're helping them modernize their existing systems. So that's a lot of, um, one of the things we do more than I think any other shop I know is, um, help people migrate legacy applications onto Laravel iteratively. Mm-hmm. Um, like my first ever talk I gave at Alaricon was about how I was doing that with that software as a service that I originally built as CodeIgniter. And we first thing I did was bring in the Laravel uh, dependency uh, inversion of control container mm-hmm. um, into that app so I can start using IOC there. And the next thing I did was I replaced that app session component with the Laravel session component bit by bit. Um, and I think the third group we primarily work with is existing PHP applications where you've got a PHP app that you've been running on your own for five to 10 years. It's usually a mixture of vanilla PHP files, a hand-rolled MVC, maybe some previous application, and you want it to keep running for the next 10 years and you need to modernize it. And so again, we'll do that same process of getting a good framework set up and slowly mm-hmm. transitioning things and setting up a thing where every web quest is routed or shared between multiple applications. Mm. And it's not a conversion as much because conversion would say, we're going to shut this thing down and rewrite it from scratch. <laughs> it's a terrible idea, but it is more like a migration. We set up a really good forward thinking, um, you know, foundation for you, mm. um, 
Um, that it, yeah, it's Laravel, but the foundation usually is more about understanding a good and healthy and well-architected and well-tested framework for your your particular space that you can now move pieces into bit by bit by bit. And usually that framework that we're building is really Laravel agnostic, but it is also sitting on top of Laravel because we think it's the best way to build something like that. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I really dig that because you, you're you're attacking that from the from the position of discovering what the business requirements are first before going, yeah. oh, I'm going to build everything in Laravel. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And, and the thing is, I like Laravel for lots of reasons, but the number one reason I like Laravel is because it allows me to stop thinking about tech crap and start asking the questions about what the business needs. Exactly. And whether it's because yeah. I'm starting a new app and I get to ask myself the question of what should it do rather than how am I going to architect it, or whether we're, we're working in the business. And we mm. say, well, what, what do you want? What does success look like for you? And the answer is never, I want you, know, you to follow solid. You know, or whatever, right, yeah, whatever right. tech yeah, nerdery yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. that's not yeah. success for them. Yeah. And so I don't want to think about that crap. I want to think about success and giving them success. And at the end of the day, the client really doesn't care in in the sense of, you know, it could be written in a in 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 Laravel or Symphony or what have you, as long as it works. And as long as And there's... we do have some we do have some technical clients who have okay. these okay. preferences. But they come to us because we're a trusted expert. And so if they almost every single time they do come in and they have technical things, mm -hmm. we could tell them, I know you're asking for that, but your needs are better met by blah, blah, blah. So even though it looks like they really care about tech, if we tell them there's a different tech than the one you came asking for mm -hmm. that solves your practical business needs better, like you're saying, yeah, then they'll yeah. say, okay, cool. So even when it smells like they care about tech, it is still what you're saying, which is that they really just care about the business's needs being met. So yeah, yeah, I get you. I get you. Um, before we go on, can, can we, uh, can we talk about your podcast? Um, you, you've got uh, the Laravel podcast. How, how's uh, yeah. how's that running? Uh, so there's it's uh, okay. So the Laravel podcast originally was founded by someone who was around in Laravel before me, and it was him and a few people chatting. Mm -hmm. uh, he handed it off to me, and I called it Laravel Podcast Season Two, and it was me and a few people chatting. So it was me and Taylor Otwell, um, who runs the who, who's the founder, and then yeah. Jeffrey Way, who runs Laracasts. Um, and then occasionally we'd have other people kind of dip in, but it was mainly the three of us. Yeah. So we hit a point where we all said, you know what, it's a good to hit a pause. Uh, and and so Taylor and Jeffrey went. So I had had my own podcast for the longest time called the Five Minute Geek Show. It was a very short little snippets of of stuff, five to ten minutes or whatever. And so they both said, you know what I really want to do is I want to have my own podcast where I do my own stuff. So each of them started their own snippets podcast. There's the um, Laracast snippet, which is Jeffrey's, and then Taylor spun off the Laravel snippet. Mm. Um, so mm. all three of us have our own little five to ten minute conversation podcasts. And what I thought was really interesting was the idea of getting to know the people because you've seen these names in your composer packages or whatever or blog posts all the time, but you don't know who they are. Mm. So I did an interview season where all I did was I was take both very reputable people like mm. Taylor and Jeffrey or people whose name, you know, technically, but you don't know anything about them as a person. And also people who are maybe very popular or very influential in a small space that I think more people should hear about them. I did a series of interviews with them, um, and I stopped that about a six months to a year ago, and I've been plotting since then about what season <laughs> four is going to look like, and I announced it at Laracon this year, and I'm in the middle of, I've got a, a huge spreadsheet like right over on my other screen of all the plans, and I'm working on the music right now, um, but season four is all about targeting newcomers, and so what I've recognized is that 
the biggest complaint I got from season three was that people said, I want you to give me more hands-on code conversation. Mm. And one of the things I've been thinking about a lot is that I want it to be as easy as possible for people to enter into Laravel because I think that it's such a great space and it's so beneficial to my life and other people's lives that I want more people to be able to enter it more easily. So I have a whole suite of things I'm doing, one of which is Laravel Podcast Season 4, where every single episode is going to address one particular topic, probably a piece of the framework, but if not, at least a topic that's very um, granular. Um, so this one will be about queues in Laravel. This one will be about database access in Laravel. But this one will be about intro to unit testing in Laravel. Um, and I'm going to bring on somebody from the community who's really knowledgeable and passionate about that one thing. And we're just going to talk about it. And we might have some questions ahead of time. I haven't quite figured out the format. And I'm just going to do a whole season where hopefully by the end we've covered, let's say, the 15 to 25 most important granules. And I, again, I have to name exactly what they are and figure that all out. Mm -hmm. I started by just saying, well, what are the chapters of my book? But I'll have to work from there. Um, and that's the goal. Um, yeah. So I've got, um, you know, my guess is that I'll have the topic list, the guest list, and the music settled in the next couple of weeks and probably start recording and releasing in early 2020. So. Brilliant. Yeah, I've listened to a few, and uh, they're very from from a from a fellow podcaster who is he's still trying to find his feet. It's uh, it's very inspirational stuff. I like wow. I like the way you uh, conduct the interviews. Um, yeah, they're really really good, really good. <laughs> Thank you. I love people, and and what's what's fun is what I allowed myself to do through that season was find fascinating people who I'm curious about, mm -hmm. and I found that if you're curious about the person you're talking to you're good to go. Because all you got to do is just have a conversation with them. And if they're an interesting person, then the questions are going to keep rolling, right? And like every single one of them, I ended up I'm like, I could talk for another two hours, but I have to cut it off. Yeah. And I meant it because it was just so much yeah. fun learning about people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally get that. I totally get that. We've talked uh, a lot about uh, how great Laravel is. And we've talked about how, um, you know, when you should use Laravel and, and, and all of that stuff compared it to other frameworks. I'm going to ask you a tough one. <laughs> yeah. When shouldn't you use Laravel? So the, the first and most important answer to that is anytime you shouldn't use PHP. Um, <laughs> and so when you need, you know, incredible performance and con concurrency and stuff like that, um, there's a lot of contexts where it makes more sense to have Node or it makes more sense to have Go or something else like that. Or especially, I mean, if you're in a circumstance where in your Microsoft shop, don't use PHP, please. I've, I did that for years and it was it was a uphill battle. So primarily the number one reason I run into circumstances where somebody is using Laravel and they shouldn't, it's mm. because they shouldn't be using PHP. Um, if you're, if it's reasonable to use PHP, I got a lot less useful answers there. Um, so there was a while where, um, using something like Slim or Silex or even Laravel's, uh, little brother Lumen, mm. um, would, was dr significantly more performant, um, for doing like simple APIs and microservices and stuff like that. So I would have said use Slim Silex or Lumen for microservices. Um, but Laravel itself has really sped up. Uh, and PHP 7.2 helped us with that a lot. And so if you use PHP 7.2, modern Laravel, a little bit of caching here and there, maybe varnish on top of it or something like that, you're not getting any more speed out of all those micro frameworks. Um, but the number of times that I've seen somebody start something with a micro framework and then realize that they actually needed a full stack framework 
is way, 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 way more than the times I've seen someone who is building a microservice on something like Laravel, and that extra 50 milliseconds can't be fixed by a little bit of caching or you know a varnish or something like that. Mm. So there are circumstances. If you got a big team and you know exactly what you're doing and you've got to eke out that last 10 milliseconds and you got 20 microservices, you might be better off having each of those individual teams of two and you've got 300 people working on this. Okay, cool. You don't need 100 Laravel installations in that circumstance. Um, but 99% of the time where I've seen somebody say, don't use Laravel in this context, it's because they don't understand how to build performant applications, period, mm-hmm. or because they have miscon- uh, pre-existing misconceptions about what Laravel is actually doing and how to make it fast. Gotcha. Yeah. Some really good uh, answers there. <laughs> I, I love the, uh, if you don't can't use PHP, don't use it. <laughs> Yeah. Like, well, but the thing is, we don't know how to answer that question right. a lot of the time, right? No. But no, if you can, if yeah. you can learn how to answer the question of when is and isn't PHP appropriate for your building your web application, you're doing yourself a huge favor. Definitely. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I really agree with that. Definitely. Um, okay. So, Matt, you've been you've been fantastic. Is there is there anything? Because I, I I know you're, you're super busy. Is there anything that you would like to uh, to add? Uh, at, but stuff that you haven't mentioned or anything. Yeah, so I mentioned the fact that my goal right now is to make it as easy as possible for as many people as possible to um, enter the Laravel world. Mm. So there's a couple notes there. First of all, uh, remember that I'm not really making any money off my book. So when I plug my book, I promise it's not to make any money because I'm making like, a, I think like two or $3 off of each copy or something like that. Mm. It's not, but it is a 500 page book that takes you from the very beginning and walks you through everything you possibly need. It's out there because I want there to be, for someone who's a reader rather than a video or person, whatever else, there is a resource out there that will get you from all you need to know how to do is basic PHP to you can write production Laravel um, over the span of one book. So mm-hmm. first of all, I'd recommend that. Get it used. The, the last version of it, I'm sure you can get used for very, very cheap. And it was very good. It's just a little bit out of date in terms of some specifics. But, you know, like go buy a used version of the last version of the first edition. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one. Uh, go subscribe to Laravel Podcast. There's going to be good stuff there. But here's another big one, though. Um, I'm building an app, and this is what I've been live streaming, um, called OnRamp. And the goal with OnRamp is to make it as easy as possible for anybody who wants to, who's coming from one of three specific places, to join the Laravel community and be hireable as a Laravel programmer. That's the main goal. Those three um, spaces they could be coming from are I'm a brand-new programmer, um, I'm a front-end programmer and or I just graduated from a, fr- a front-end dev boot camp or I'm a WordPress programmer. And so I want all people from those three groups to be able to walk into OnRamp, sign up for an account, walk through all the resources we have there. And we're not it's not training resources. It's links to other training resources and then like quizzes and tests and stuff like that that can help you ensure that you have and all that kind of stuff. But it's not, I'm not building a new Laracast or anything like that. Um, but the goal there is for you to say – hey, you know, I want to learn to be able to go make money as a Laravel programmer. And I heard there's lots of jobs there, but I don't know where to start. Go to onramp.dev and just hit sign up. And then once you're done with the last checklist, I think if we've done our job well, you should be able to get a job as a Laravel programmer. So it's open source. So you can see what a practical Laravel application looks like there. I'm streaming all my development. So you can watch me fumble and see that somebody who's, you know, written the written the book about Laravel still stack overflows things in the middle of writing. Um, but hopefully the tool itself will also be super useful for people. That's brilliant. That really is brilliant. So what's your what's your schedule for your live streaming when when do, can people uh, watch it 
Yeah. So I live right now. I live stream twice a week. Um, I live stream Fridays, 11 a.m. Eastern. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't know what time that is, if you go to mattstoffer.com slash stream, there's a link that shows it to you in your time zone. Um, so 11 a.m. Eastern on Fridays, I live stream for one hour about on ramp. It goes to Twitch, Periscope and YouTube, and then it's archived on YouTube later. And then right now, um, Mondays at 2.45 Eastern, I think, and again, just go to that page, I'm doing a new thing called, uh, I'm calling Learning Laravel, where I pair program with someone who's newer to Laravel, and then we build something that they want to build. And so they'll drive a little bit, I'll drive a little bit, um, they'll ask me questions, but they're the one who knows what we want to build, so they're the domain expert. So it's not just like I'm always the one who knows stuff, there's lots of times where I'm having to ask them questions. Gotcha. And in the most recent one, I'm working with someone named Zuzana Kokova, and Zuzana um, is very motivated. And so she said, you know what, this thing we're building would be better served by graph databases. So I'm going to go learn up about Neo4j over the weekend. So we actually got into this call and she knows more about Neo4j than I do. And so it was really fun because I know more about Laravel than she does, but she knows more about Neo4j. And so there's this kind of really interesting kind of process there. Yeah, that's brilliant. You're, yeah, that's such a good idea. Bouncing ideas off off of, uh, the community in real time. Yeah, and and showing people how to build a Laravel application that you're going to use for yeah, that's brilliant. That that, that thanks, man. I appreciate that's it. That's brilliant. That's so good. I... <laughs> it's a lot of fun wow. too. And, and yeah. the, the chats, the chat is really great because people are sitting there in the chat, and I say, hey, you know what? This thing changed in the latest version of Laravel, and I haven't learned it yet. I'm going to go work on this other thing. And by the time I get back to this thing, the chat has Googled and they've chatted with each other and gotcha. they come back, they say, here's the snippet. And then I'm like, cool. And I just pasted it. So it is this kind of mob programming yeah. type thing. It's a yeah. lot of fun. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, okay. There's a question I ask everybody at the end of the show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that is if you could talk to your former self, what advice would you give? It could be more than one and it doesn't have to be technical. It could be non-technical. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to put it succinctly, but, um, I mentioned to you before we, uh, started recording that Mr. Rogers is my hero. And Mm. for anybody who doesn't know Mr. Rogers, he's an American television show host who really is very much about caring for other people. Um, and I learned in high school, I think the message that I needed to kind of really lose myself for other people and really just give everything I can away to helping other people. What I didn't learn then was the best way to love other people is to love yourself. And what I wish I had been able to teach my early self was that Mr. Rogers and anybody else with wisdom recognizes that you knowing and loving yourself is a foundational, necessary foundation to really loving others well. Mm -hmm. And I thought that it was all about just kind of shut me down. Don't know what I want. Don't know what I care about. Just put 100% of my energy in other people. And the last few years has been me learning that that is not sustainable and that I need to, what in a way that feels selfish to me, mm-hmm. um, learn what I care about and what I need. And not only for myself, but also to be able to communicate that to people around me. So if I were to tell myself anything, it was to say that um, – most extremes are bad extremes, even the ones that seem like good extremes. And there needs to be measure and there needs to be consideration um, in all things, even helping others. And the practical application with that would be to know yourself and to care for yourself uh, and to love yourself, uh, not just others. And I know that's very specific to me, but I mean, that's the question. So yeah, wow. that's what it would be. That's awesome. I'm blown away by that. Yeah, really am. <laughs> thank, thank you ever so much for coming on matt that's fantastic um where, where can people get hold of you in terms of like twitter and, and and other places 
Yeah, the easiest one's Twitter. I'm at Stauffermat, S-T-A-U-F-F-E-R, Matt, on Twitter. Um, and then you can go to my website, mattstauffer.com, and there's all my all my books and blog posts and uh, links to Titan and all that kind of stuff cool. there. I will scrape that and put that in the show notes. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Sure. Well, thank you ever so much for coming on, Matt. It's been fascinating speaking to you and learning about all you know your, your background, the passion that you have with Laravel. Um, and all of that good stuff. It's been amazing speaking with you. Thank you very much for your time. I know you're super busy. Thanks ever so much, everybody, for listening on the podcasts and watching on the YouTubes. Happy coding, everyone. I'll see you again soon. Cheers. Bye. Before we go, I just want to say that if anybody wants to join the Discord channel, then please do so. Go to howtocodewell.net forward slash Discord. There's channels in there for coding help. There's channels in there for coding challenges, new coders, lots of stuff for programming. There's a nice little community that's building up there. So if you've got any coding questions you want to ask, then do check out howtocodewell.net forward slash Discord. Of course, if you want to support the channel and if you want to get early access to some of these podcasts and the tutorials that I've got on the YouTube channel, then do check out our Patreon account. That's patreon.com forward slash how to code well. You'll also get access to the pro user Discord channels and the voice chat channels as well. Thanks very much. Happy coding, everyone. I'll see you again in the next one. Cheers. Bye.